Hi Shantanu. Hi Adi. It's been a while. It's been a while in the sense uh, we haven't personally met for the last 8 months but we are seeing you on the channel after 8 years. Yeah, that's why I said it's been a while. <laughs> right. So, uh your video on get your recording basics right is still being watched by a lot of newcomers. It's in fact about to touch 100,000 views. Wow. Perhaps the highest on, you know, for an engineer on our channel. and people still comment on it you know so it's it's a fantastic uh, video that you had to know that you know uh, you know small things like this do make a difference uh, because you know for industry professionals like yourself or me you know who've been around for a long time it's important that the message goes out that you know uh, us so called seniors uh, you know are there to you know spread the word spread the love spread the energy and uh, bring about a collective growth of uh, intelligence wisdom and hopefully um, make us better sound engineers and more importantly make us better human beings no that's that's a great thought and uh, we couldn't capture some basics of you know your initial days in that uh, conversation yeah so if you could share with us your educational background what made you a sound engineer and your initial work experiences Well, it's uh, I can't really recall the year, but uh, uh, let me just put it briefly. Uh, my my love for sound has always been there while growing up uh, because I come from a family uh, which uh, was very very uh, focused and interested in all the arts you know be it music be it dance be it painting be it sculpture and any 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 kind of the arts is where uh, uh, where my family's uh, passion lie uh, uh, even though uh, they might not have been artists themselves but uh, uh, the love and passion for uh, any of the art forms has been tremendous and uh, without actually trying to drill it in me you know with that kind of upbringing automatically those kind of uh, uh, you know creative insights uh, get put into your subconscious uh, without you actually knowing it and or, and and then later on you realize oh my god you know you know this is where i am today is actually uh, because of my family and from where how i was brought up and you know what i heard and what i saw and what i listened to and uh, you know whether it be sport or whether it be uh, academics or whether it be uh, music drama elocution uh, you know any of these things and uh, uh, all all those kind of values uh, you know suddenly you know when you're later you know when you're a little bit more mature to understand and when you have the next generation with you you realize okay you know i am what i am because of you know certain circumstances of my past of you know of my upbringing and how i grew up and where i grew up so all those kind of things you know i come from a middle class family my father uh, uh, you know was 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 worked in the private sector he used to be with tata motors uh, my mother um, you know she's a speech therapist and teacher of the deaf uh, my my elder brother is uh, also uh, ex tata employee so we come from a regular maharashtrian middle class family uh, with high values uh, high morals uh, very very uh, you know a great emphasis was paid on 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 you know reading um on the culture of 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 the land that we lived in on uh, the culture and understanding different cultures and basically an overall well-rounded education we you know it was never ever uh, drilled into us that we had to get x percentage of marks to be able to you know it was never ever said that you know okay you get above 60 and above 60 in those days was bloody difficult uh, today uh, today 60 is probably fail i um, you know uh so uh, it was there was never a carrot that was put in front above 60 means you'll do this is it like we need a re- well rounded education i don't want you to be screwing up on your classes uh, uh, you know do your thing and most importantly enjoy your life you know because when you're going into school when you're going into college you're not just going there to study you're going there to learn how to interact with the rest of society and the rest of society uh, deals with uh, you know 
myriad of different kind of people and cultures. And that's exactly how we are today. And that stands me in good stead today when I'm dealing with, you know, different sorts of people, different kind of clients, uh, different styles of music. And it, it just helps because when you have that so strongly ingrained in your psyche, uh, you know, adjusting to uh, any new kind of any any kind of change is is not really a problem. And uh, so uh, my background was really and I and I owe a lot to my family. Uh, uh, but here's a strange, very very strange fact which not too many people know about, which is uh, while growing up. Uh, Indian film music, at that time, the, the term Bollywood didn't even exist, but Indian film music was looked down upon in my family, you know? Yeah, it was looked down upon. It was like, you know, that was the bastardized kind of music. It's, it, you know, it had, it had nothing to do with classical, uh, but it, so it, it tried to choose the best of classical. It tried to choose this, but in the end, it became a hodgepodge. And which is why, you know, uh, my, my my family uh, and not just my mom and dad but uh, you know the circle of friends that my fa uh, my my parents hung around in uh, you know their relatives and friends and thereafter you know subconsciously that goes into your psyche as well with the kind of friends that you keep and and you know while growing up uh, you know, school and college none of my friends and me were ever 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 into hindi uh, film music or, or any of the regional film music at the same time uh, you know people might say that we were snobbish and you know didn't want but at the same time we used to be great fans and uh, you know loved going to indian music concerts uh, even though sometimes it may might have been to make fun of some of the singers uh, and you know uh, when when they're singing but in the end once you go there and you you say you your intention is to go there to have fun and to make fun of it and then suddenly you say oh my god you know it's not just about those crazy expressions that these people make like you know we used to go for concerts so my mom and dad used to took me for concerts uh, with uh, Bhim Sen Joshi singing and uh, you know uh, Gangubai Hangal uh, you know, and uh, these are the kind of people who my grandfather actually hung out with. You know, they used to come over and for baitaks, and because my grandfather too was, uh, you know, from the Indian civil services uh, from the from the era, British era. So, uh, but but very very strongly rooted in the classics. So they had all these kind of people coming to their homes, and they visited each other uh, in, in my family home in Pune, where people used to get together. You know, P. L. Deshpande, for example, the great great uh, playwright um, and and I would call him India's first stand-up comic you know uh, uh, you know Vijay Tendulkar uh, all, all these great oh yeah all, you know all these great artists uh, is is other people who we grew up with and you know uh, moving on into my college life you know I hanging around with people like Ranjit who was uh, you know lived uh, just a couple of blocks down the road from uh, me and you know being in the presence of his mother, um, the late great uh, uh, Sitara, Devi, Sitara Devi, and her friends, you know, um, uh, Abaji coming over, and all these people coming over, and you know, uh, it was incredible, you know, just and it all just was so natural. We were never like, oh fuck, wow, you know, just so normal for all of us, you know, to be hanging around with all these great exponents of of the arts and um, and crafts and you know mf hussein for example you know all these kind of great guy tonde all these people were people who we hung out with um, you know one of the other people was esan's family um, uh, his uncle munna uh, god bless his soul uh, you know just hanging around with them they just taught us so much and uh, the, you know we are today obviously self-made and uh, uh, we we worked a lot and worked hard towards where we are today. But uh, without we have to you know doff our hats to uh, you know our upbringing. And this is not just my family, but my family and friends and their parents and their relatives and basically the circle of people who we hung out with. So uh, you know that's a, that's a really long answer for a very short question. <laughs> no, but uh, it also tells us a lot that the kind of grounding you had. Which yeah. you know is like a foundation. 
Yeah, and you know the best part is not, I I wasn't ever a musician. You know, I wasn't ever a musician. But it's just that the the values of music and the and and the great music that we heard, you know, is 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 was imprinted in my brain, and mm. uh, which is why I was I we became we we could be very very discerning because we heard good and we heard a lot of crap too so it was it was essential to hear the shit too you know so as to you know to be able to differentiate because like you know what is this and unfortunately at at that time the the indian film music sound was just fucking horrible you know and it's like it was distorted as hell and uh, you know people got you know with, without meaning any disrespect to anyone you know uh, having you know some of our playback lady playback singers singing in registers which is way beyond uh, you know the dog scale uh, and you know it was it used to be piercing you know and the sound was just not pleasing you know, the, melodically it was great but the, sonically it just you know just didn't do anything didn't attract me one bit and here i am today you know um, um, after having done um, more than 400 to 500 films or probably more uh, but i believe i made a difference uh, you know because i wanted to bring that kind of uh, sonic uh, value which i had uh, which while growing up and then which i nurtured uh, uh, all these years and i still continue to do that uh, which is uh, to bring that kind of excellence uh, to anything that i do so yeah no that's great and it's it really kind of shows in the way you know the passion that you emit and the the yeah. like i just told you the grounding that you had as is a very strong foundation very 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 strong you know as to basically what's good and bad and yeah. and you know and a really important message that was sent out to me very very early on was like you know reach for the stars you know reach for the stars uh, don't set your bar low you know uh, whatever you think is unreachable is a bar too low so you know you got to imagine a bar much higher than you can even think of trying to achieve and which is what i still try to do and hopefully uh, you know and that is at that quest because i know i will never ever reach that level but to be constantly in that quest of excellence and to uh, you know raising the bar every time you think you might have crossed one rung uh, is really really important and maybe that's what makes me a bit different from anybody else no and i'm sure the viewers and the students of uh, audio engineering will be really uh, charged up you know after hearing your oh uh, you know passion this, this is it you story. you you have to go on and on till you got your faculties around you till you're able to be you know within within the within the limits of being sane uh, you know you, you need to keep going on because you know age actually is just a number it's it's how you feel in your head and how you feel in your heart that's it very true and very nicely said thank you so uh, shantanu uh, what took you to sound engineering i mean was there any incident that happened that made you kind of yeah yeah it is again it, it, you know i what i told you earlier was about my family and their friends and bringing uh, what got me into sound was again with the company that i kept you know my friends and uh, a lot mainly my friends uh, so here's a, here's a, here's this bit of a story which should be able to answer certain questions about my academic background and such uh, i was uh, uh, you know in the midst of my postgraduate studies and uh, it, it was all growing i was very much into the academics uh, but at the same time you know my passion was you know hanging around with bands and um, you know the, you know just being with them you know tweaking guitars and tweaking amps and seeing how everything sounded but just as a hobby because they were professional engineers then uh, you know who handled stuff so i used to just hang around and i loved being around music and these were all my friends who were the musicians so it was never a problem uh, you know they were they would always take me in and you know we all used to get high together that's you know so that was that was another great aspect uh, of my learning so uh, uh, i was i was i was basically uh, i was i think i was in i was in pune those days uh, in my po- during my postgraduate studies and uh, there was i was having some problems with my uh, with my guide during my uh, pro- thesis program and uh, you know things were looking a bit depressing on the on the academic front uh, um and you know 
I move I, my friends, you know, Esa Narani, Ranjit, uh, uh, Kalyan Patak, uh, you know, all these guys, they were good friends of mine. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Kalyan who actually said, and uh, that time Knuckle was another huge, huge, huge influence on my life. Uh, um, and we were all talking one day and, you know, there's another friend of ours, uh, whose band I used to be a fan of, uh, Soli Dastu, uh, used to uh, one of the founding members of probably one of the finest bands that came out of this country, a band called Waterfront, uh, you know, which uh, Soli Dastu, uh, Derek Julian, Roger Dragonet, uh, at first they had on drums Trilok Gurtu, uh, and then Trilok uh, left and went to Germany, and Trilok's uh, position was taken up by uh, by Ranjit, Ranjit Barod. And what an incredible lineup, and it, they didn't play covers, uh, you know, they played their own music. Uh, they were all incredibly talented musicians. Uh, so Soli, uh, you know, started this particular studio called the Music Room, which was uh, in Bazaar Gate in a fort in Bombay, very close to the Reserve Bank of India. Uh, and uh, Nakul used to be its uh, the chief engineer over there. And, you know, Kalyan, Esan, uh, Nakul, Ranjit, all of them, you know, said, listen, man, you're doing all this shit you know carry on with your studies and things like that that's fine great you know but you know you're so into music and all this kind of stuff why don't you why don't you get involved so you know it, it was it was it was that was it you know that's uh, kalyan just told me like just do it man you got you got nothing to lose uh, you know you you always got if th things don't work out you always got your academics to fall back on so uh, Nakul spoke to Soli and Pia, uh, that's Pia, uh, Soli's wife, and they got me the job, man. I started off uh, as an assistant at the music room uh, where, um, you know, for the first three months, uh, all I did was, uh, you know, answer telephone calls. Uh, uh, those are the days before mobiles. Uh, so uh, uh, those are the days also before the Internet came into India. Uh, so, uh, you know, it is all manual analog work. And I didn't really get to touch a cable for about a month, month and a half, maybe more. And, uh, you know, it was just learning and absorbing, learning and absorbing everything. And I, it was very, very fortunate that, first of all, Nakul was the chief engineer over there and he headed the studio. Plus all the musicians who came in were also friends of mine, you know, so it was, it was, it was, it was a hangout. And but it was a hangout with a purpose, and this was and that was to learn, and never get high on the job. So um, that was that was one thing that we also learned at that time. And uh, sure, I started off with a fantastic salary of uh, fifteen hundred rupees a month. And in that fifteen hundred rupees a month, you had to pay for your rent, you had to pay for your food, you had to pay for your booze, you know, um, and whatever drugs you were doing. So uh, you had to try and make it stretch, and uh, we did it actually, you know, uh, uh, through help of some friends, stayed with some friends' place, so we saved some money on rent, and uh, whatever money we made, uh, you know, we went on food and booze, uh, and which is fine, you know, we learned that way, we learned the hard way, and. Uh, it started on, obviously, we started on tape and, uh, you know, it's been a process. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was in the year 1990, maybe. And today, 2020, here I am uh, talking to you as one of the senior engineers. Uh, so that's that's my, uh, I haven't looked back. And, uh, even though I'm still in touch with a lot of my colleagues from my academic uh, years, uh, so still very much into the sciences and uh, I'm still intrigued by the work that they do and especially a lot of my colleagues uh, and my classmates are very very actively involved in uh, in, in the scientific process as uh, as scientists and doctors um, involved in uh, um, the, the the hopeful vaccine for for covid-19 and the same kind of people who are involved with uh, with you know, the older uh, epidemics such as uh, like HIV and Ebola and stuff like that. So I'm very much uh, tuned in to uh, the progress that is going on in the sciences. And therefore, you know, uh, the, the Nobel Prize uh, and who it goes to is is one of the big passions and one of the big hobbies of my life, is, which is like, that's my, that's my tribute uh, to the sciences and my background. Oh, excellent.
I think uh, many people wouldn't even be knowing uh, this part of your life. And no, no, it's thank, not. Thank you for sharing. That, yeah, it's not something that I speak about. Yeah, and, no, but thank you for sharing this uh, journey so far. It's not something that I'm embarrassed about, or that's why I don't speak about. It. It's just something that I don't speak about. But if I'm asked, I I I will. I will never hedge the answer. I, I will be as forthcoming as I am with everything else. So, Shantanu, uh, at Music Room, how many years did you spend? What was your career-wise, your journey from there? That time, uh, you know, um, it was all so much fun and it still is. Uh, you know, every day was fun for me, uh, uh, you know, while I was assisting Nakul and then uh, Nakul went on um, onto his own um, went independent and then I took over music room and uh, um, you know it was a days filled with laughter you know and having fun uh, you know at that point of time it's predominantly doing advertising jingles and you know we probably did about uh, on an average of uh, two jingles a day you know for uh, you know for God knows I think about four or five years probably and um, so it's thousands of jingles, uh, did some epic albums uh, during uh, that period of time, uh, you know, did a great album, uh, the second album for, uh, at that time they were called Rock Machine um, uh, and, the and the album was called Second Coming, uh, which uh, actually was the first time uh, that their hit single Pretty Child was featured on. And uh, yes, so uh, I engineered that album and uh, the same mix actually went on to their next album, but this time they were uh, in the avatar of Indus Creed. Um, I did albums for um, well, Shweta Shetty, um, Sunita Rao, um, Jasmine Barucha, um, Asha Putli, uh, a lot of lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Uh, did some documentaries. Uh, uh, I think my first film that I did my first Hindi film that I did was uh, was with Ranjit Bharat as a music director. And uh, I think the film was for Ketan Mehta and it, uh, it was called Oh Darling Ye Hai India. And, um, you know, that is my first exposure to what I called long format because, uh, you know, after doing, uh, you know, many years of tracks that lasted 30 seconds, it, it, yeah, you know, it, it it was it was a huge relief um, to do uh, you know albums which had four minute songs um, and uh, do a film uh, at that point of time uh, which was approximately four four minutes per song again. So it was great. So you know that's when the long format of Indian commercial music uh, you know started get got me thinking and uh, you know it was a, it was a fight in my head. It's like you know. Yeah, you know, the only kind of commercial uh, long format audio work that I can be involved with in this country on a commercial level, which would help me, you know, work my finances to uh, happens to be Bollywood and Indian film music and the form of music which was banned from my house while I was growing up and which was looked down upon. And here it turns out that that's that's uh, your yeah, bread and butter. That's that's probably going to be my bread and butter at some point in time, yeah. and uh, there's a very important thing that uh, uh, that I learned from uh, the great jazz uh, maestro uh, a few years ago, maybe in the year 2008, uh, Herbie Hancock, and uh, I asked him a question. You know, it's like you know, Herbie, uh, you know, you know, you're you being a maestro, you come from an era of you know Miles Davis and all these cats. You know, you performed with people like that. You must be hearing lots of music and artists, you know, send you demos or you've visited as on, at, in school campuses. There must be something that you, you know, you must be saying, oh, God, this is horrible. And, uh, you know, in his inevitable, you know, humble way, um, he told me uh, in this very, very slow accent, he told me, you know, Shantanu, uh, what I've learned and I've come to learn is like, you know, the, the things that are bad don't really register to me. So I only go back with what I hear, what is good. So it, it, in effect, what he was trying to say is, you know, even if it might have been a bad performance for his, on the whole, 
the few good things that happened, because it couldn't be a bad performance all the way from beginning to the end. There must have been something good, even if it was for a fleeting moment. Those fleeting moments of good and bright sparks are the only things that registered to him. Very nice. That's and that and that has stuck with me. And uh, you know, I've tried to. Uh, I've tried to imbibe, uh, you know, that thought and that philosophy, uh, uh, and uh, I, I, I'm probably not successful, but it's it's work in progress. So uh, my 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 starting off was, you know, going back. You know, I sorry, I keep digressing. That is uh, completely fine. Yeah, no uh, it's like so. My music room days were like amazing. The kind of work that we did, the kind of camaraderie that was there. Uh, you know, it, it it was one full full musical community uh, and there was no divide as such you know even the film musicians who used to come over to the studio it was great fun hanging out you know and you know working with people like that I, I, you know was just was just absolutely awesome and that you know the the camaraderie and the vibe of just being with music and then being able to put your stamp on a particular sound which you have loathed and which you don't like, which you think you can improve, and to see an expression change in the people who are listening to a sound which is so new to them. And they say like, oh, you know, this is something new, but it works. And which is what got me going and which is why I still do what I do. Right. So, uh... There was no technical challenge because you didn't have a technical background and you were handling, you know, after you obviously learned with Nakul and then you went on your own. Yeah, it was, it was, a, a, I wouldn't say, it's, but in the end, you know, it's just mechanics, you know, in the end, it's just, I always had a scientific bent of mind. Um, so, you know, at those days, again, like I said, there was no internet. So you ask the questions, you know, uh, so if you don't know something, you don't bullshit your way through. Uh, you know, you ask the questions and maybe you'll get an answer. Maybe you won't. And and if you don't get an answer, well, you ask someone else. And this is how we learned. And uh, this is where my good friend and classmate, uh, uh, you know, Mujib Dadarkar, who's, uh, who, in my opinion, is probably uh, one of the finest brains, uh, you know, this, this planet has seen, uh, uh, who, you know, actually had the patience to actually sit me down and explain so many things. And he still does. So, you know, a couple of days ago, you know, I called him, hey, you know, Mujib, uh, I, I, I'm having a bit of a problem, you know, understanding the process of X particular uh, workflow and you know, certain kind of equipment. And basically, uh, the, the basic uh, integrals of digital flows, um, you know, he takes the time off to sit down and explain it to me. And once it's explained the way he explains, because he's a great teacher, it, became, it becomes so clear to me. And then, which is when I can then teach the other people who, who might have the same problem. So I have never been afraid to ask. And I've never been afraid to say, I don't know. So that has always stood me in good stead where, you know, Shantanu is coming in the way it is. If he doesn't know something, he's not going to bullshit his way through. Uh, there have been occasions where I've just had to wing it, but that was not because I didn't know. Uh, uh, if I didn't know, I wouldn't have done it. And I have refused jobs because they say, like, listen, I wouldn't know how to do this. Uh, you, you know, you could go to someone else, uh, even though it could have been a lucrative offer. So uh, it, it was a challenge, but it wasn't ever a challenge which which I thought or thought was uh, uh, unsurmountable and uh, couldn't be uh, couldn't be uh, uh, worked with. And so I learned everything. And uh, here's the strange thing, you know, I, I read a manual, but I don't give a shit about the manual, you know. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't mind letting letting it blow up on me because, uh, I, you know, you give me a piece of equipment, I'll make it work for the what I want to do, and I, I and I'll that's that's just 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 the way I work. You know, it's like I don't work within parameters. Uh, my mind doesn't have certain boundaries, and uh, uh, if I can push uh, the equipment to its edge and say like, hey, you know, Shatru, that's not possible. I say like, well, you know, I'll just try and do it and. If I'll give up if I really feel it's not possible. And very rarely have I had to give up, you know, that's it. So technology is a challenge, but it's a challenge that you really want. And it's not really a challenge as such, you know, because in the end it's, it's mechanics, you know, it's, 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 it's actually, you know, it's your head, you know, to what I find is a challenge, which I challenge myself is to be able to actually 
oralize what I visualize because I don't just listen to music. Uh, you know, I I I I. I see music you know i see music uh in in shades of colors and hues you know it's like a palette for me you know so you know uh, blue and yellow you mix blue and yellow you'll get green but you'll get different kinds of green depending on the yellow and blues that you use so you know it's it's all it's all very very and it's so dependent on 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 your mood and your mind and your mind sets a palette mind sets a tone and uh, these are like people hear voices in their head uh, in in a in a good way um, i i i hear music in my head and i see it in terms of colors and to me uh, all music is 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 a painting and uh, it's just a painting that uh, uh, happens to be auditory that's it uh, so that's my philosophy Nice and very nicely put. Thank you. So, uh, so music room, uh, post music room. Did you move to some other studio and what then? Yeah, post music room is uh, when I went independent. Uh, so I didn't want myself to be attached to any particular studio because uh, I dare say it, it became a bit boring. And also during that time period uh, while I was doing uh, while I was at music room and after I completed doing the uh, the rock machine second coming album is when uh, the band offered me uh, a job as a front of house engineer and uh, that's when I started exploring um, and uh, I dare say one of the founding uh, you know FOH engineers who come from or came in from the studio uh, otherwise you know uh, one of the few I think probably one of the first few uh, freelance uh, FOH engineers and monitor engineers at that time. And I'm talking, I think this was uh, the year 91 or 92, if I'm not mistaken, because at that time, you know, when bands went out on the road, uh, it was usually the sound company uh, uh, or the rental company, PA company, whose engineer over there, who, the person who set up, uh, did, did sound for the band. So not only did he set up the gear and the stage with all his people, he also mixed the band. And... Uh, a uh, lot of times, you know, those guys weren't really equipped to handle music. They were great as techs to set up the stage and the PA and stuff like that. Uh, but they were good production engineers, uh, but they weren't really good FOH and music engineers uh, to be able to uh, catch out the nuances of, uh, you know, of, of uh, live sound, uh, depending on the genre, you know, like you don't want a kick drum in your face in, in a beautiful bebop band, you know, for example. So, but, uh, and those are the big mistakes that a lot of those engineers made. And um, I came onto the scene and I dare say, fixed that problem and and started a trend of uh, you know other uh, studio engineers uh, with that sensibility coming in and getting into foh and monitors so i did that too so i used to i used to travel the world um, you know uh, at the festivals doing the doing the music festivals in europe during the summers and uh, you know working with bands like uh, rock machine and uh, you know colonial cousins and uh, you know Pentagram. Um, I had a great time working with, you know, all these, uh, basically, I'm a rocker. So, you know, obviously, I prefer to do all the rock bands. So I did a lot of this stuff. And, uh, you know, it went on for a while. I did a couple of the jazz yatras over here. And uh, as, as, as a sound engineer, I used to do the Mood Eye Festival on, a, on, on you know, all, all, I think, three days. Uh, and ending off in the live wire night is... Uh, uh, where all the band competition used to take place. So I, so I used to do all of that. I did that continuously, I think, for about three years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, that was an exciting time of my life uh, where I didn't want to be tied down to any particular studio. And then, obviously, because people knew me around, you know, I used to, I could be able to pick and choose my work. And uh, so I went independent for many, many years. And uh, after some time, that started getting to me as well, where uh, it started becoming, uh, how would I say, uh, it became started becoming a rat race, okay? Uh, and, you know, people, you know, wanting to undercut you and, you know, play dirty and try and get your gig or, you know, try and sneak a gig away from you, be it a studio gig or anything. So I, I got very, very tired. Not very tired. I said I couldn't play that game, okay? 
and um, I, I because I'm, I'm not bent that way I so said like listen I want to work I want to do good work I want to work with bands I want to work with people who are interested and uh, there was a sea change at that point taking place where you know a lot of the people from advertising were migrating into film and uh, you know just so that they had a larger canvas to paint on and I started feeling the same way and uh, you know I came across some openings and uh, I joined Empire Studios, uh, you know, as a as a, as a full time engineer. And uh, I did some epic work over there for a lot of, the, uh, you know, very, very popular films, uh, uh, namely, uh, you know, it, it all started off with uh, Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. Uh, and then earlier on as, a, on, as a freelancer, I did Mission Kashmir and a fair amount of other films, you know, Ashoka. And, and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. And then I did uh, Bunty or Bubbly, which actually gave, uh, I think, Shankar S. Anloy one of their biggest hits, if not the biggest hit, um, Kajra Re. Uh, so, so it was a big hit for them. Uh, I didn't do uh, Dil Chata Hai, even though most people think I did. It was That was done and brilliantly engineered by my good friend, who actually happened to be started off his career with assisting me, uh, Vijay Benegal, properly known as Benny. Uh, so he did. He did Dil Chata Hai, and uh, you know. So that was his uh, big film, and it's probably one of the finest uh, sounding uh, uh, film uh, soundtracks uh, that you can find today from the Indian film industry. And that set a benchmark. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, things went south, and I have no idea why. Sorry, that's my cat over there. <laughs> yeah, just going. What's on. her name? Uh, she's called Zuki. Zuki. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, that's it. So, yeah. So uh, then I joined Empire and uh, after Empire, uh, you know, my work was appreciated by uh, Adi as in Adi Chopra from your films uh, when I was doing, uh, you know, Bunty or Bubbly. And I think uh, going by that work and plus I did uh, a lot of the score for uh, uh, Yashji's film uh, uh, V Zara. So, uh, so I had the, all the experience of recording, you know, large string sections because Empire, if you remember in those days, used to have a huge live area. Yeah, so where, you know, is to bring in uh, string sections to do it. And here's an interesting point. At that point of time, uh, everyone, you know, all the, all the senior engineers, the senior to me, uh, uh, you know, when they used to record string sections, used to record uh, in a very, very strange way where, they, you know, they never used to place the string section uh, in a way that an orchestra usually sits. You know, it was just one row behind the other, you know, violins up front. After the violins comes the violas, after the violas come the cellos, and after the cellos come the basses, uh, which all seemed a very, very flat and, you know, two-dimensional uh, to me. And uh, I thought it was really horrible. Uh, and uh, after doing the first year, I'll, ne I'll never forget this. I think, uh, I forget the name of the film. Uh, it was for Yashraj Films. Uh, the director was Kunal Kohli. Uh, there goes my cat again. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I, I forget the name of the film. It's I, I I know for a fact that it had Rithik Roshan in, and I also know that the film fared very very badly. Uh, but the music, uh, the background score was done by uh, the great arranger Babluda, who used to be uh, an arranger for uh, um, R. D. Barman and uh, Panchamda. So uh, you know, I told him. I I told him. I said, uh, Babluda, you know. You probably won't like it, but this is the way I'd like to set up the orchestra, uh, you know, from uh, from now on. Uh, you know, can we just ignore what happened yesterday? Uh, because there were, thankfully, just the yesterday uh, that I talk about just had about two or three pieces uh, which uh, which had strings in it. So uh, uh, he said, go ahead, do what you want to do. Uh, we'll see how it is. If it doesn't work, then we'll go back to the old fashioned way. And uh, I went in over that. I think it was a 40 or 44 piece or 48 piece string section, which is uh, violins and viola and cello and contrabass uh, was uh, was involved. And then I set it up in in as 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 you know in proper orchestral fashion. You know, first violins, second violins, viola, uh, cello, bass, and and I spread it out and. You know, 
divided into first violence section, second violence, blah blah blah. And when uh, you know, and when the scores came in, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the orchestra came in, you know, I pointed out to them, it's like, okay, you will sit over here, you will sit over here, you will sit, blah blah blah. So I actually told the orchestra where to sit, and they were all, you know, very very tolerant. They're saying like, you know, who the fuck is this guy? And at that time, yeah, you know, uh, it was kind of longish hair, you know, this rocket. Uh, uh, kind of guy. I wasn't gray, and so I didn't. I didn't really command any respect because of the grayness. Uh, you know, it was. I was. I was just this upstart kid. You know, who smoked thirty-five packets, uh, uh, not packets, thirty-five a day, uh, and stuff like that. And uh, you know, spoke spoke in a different language, uh, so to say. Even though I spoke English, I speak in a different language. And I told them where to sit, and I set up microphones in a particular way. And I told Babluda, the conductor, I said, "This is where you will stand." I had something called as a Decca tree. They were all wondering what all these fucking mics doing everywhere. And I said, "Okay, now you know you have all your scores, and uh, Babluda will you know count you in and uh, play. You know, forget forget where you're sitting. Okay, play your part." And let me deal with the rest. And uh, you know, the first piece that they played, and you know, they got freaked out. They actually stopped playing when they all said, "Oh my God!" You know, we can actually hear each other. I can actually. The first violin says, "I know exactly what the cello is doing." The cello is saying, "I know actually what the viola is doing." They could all actually hear each other without headphones. And so, because when there is a reason why you have orchestral placements, it's not just because of style or the way the compose. It's the way the 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 the, the songwriter, the music composer, visualizes that particular piece of music as to this is where the melody will come in. This is what will be the harmony. This will be a counterpoint which will come in from this side. And there are all these different frequency ranges bouncing across the stereo spectrum. And it's not just stereo; it's the depth of field as well, which is what gave that kind of music orchestral music with strings and horns and brass and cello and 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 uh, and, and and the choir and stuff like that, which gave it depth which gave it the expanse you know which it made it feel like an ocean of sound and that is what was lacking i felt and i think i changed that i changed that for the indian film industry where i was the first person probably to get an orchestral placement done in its own actual version of western classical orchestral placement and uh, i don't think i've looked back ever since then and the orchestras and the arrangers have started respecting me for that it's like okay you know maybe this guy has something and i did the same thing you know with with dholak and tabla and things like that you know uh, recording ensembles and all this comes i go back to when i was growing up because hearing all this music, so when I was to grow, when I was growing up, you know, I used to have all this. I used to have Mozart and Chopin and Rimsky-Korsakov and Tchaikovsky and all these guys, great composers, playing on stereos. Hearing all that music, you know, my me, my mom and dad and my brother taking me to concerts with, the, you know, uh, being conducted by George Solti or Herbert von Karajan with the uh, in Berlin. We were all gone there to hear with with, with the with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, and, and so all these great composers hearing grand orchestral music that way. I'm saying, fuck, if I can do that with the Indian film industry, man, this is going to be the shit. But here I am today. I'm actually jobless today. 2020, uh, which has no reflection on the kind of work that I did, but that's the kind of work, that's the kind of work that I did, and I continue to do. And hopefully, you know, people uh, uh, use me as an example to be able to, you know, break barriers. You know, you don't have to follow. Uh, you know, everyone is saying this is the way to do it. Well, do it that way, but break a rule. You know, break a rule to see if it works, and if it works, it becomes the norm. And 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 so that's what I mean by you know accept the challenges and as i treat technology the same way technology is there it's meant to be broken yeah you have to break the rules of everything and the moment you start doing that you get better technology you get better at doing what you do and you know it's never ending and it's a constant learning process uh, which uh, which you know should take up all your time and uh, just make you uh, you know better at what you do and 
all this process and you know there's a thought process that going behind all of this just makes you into a better human being and an easier person to hang out with well, i think uh, what you've achieved is a lot and uh, like you rightly said you brought in new ways of recording yeah so, but they actually weren't new ways it's just changed the way that it was done over here in india right and, maybe i would say better ways of yeah, and, and the I correct way exactly and it broke the barrier because everyone thought that you know i was just a western guy you know and i don't understand the western sound i said listen man sound is sound good sound is good sound whether it's western whether it's indian whether it's african it really doesn't fucking matter you record a vocal you record a vocal well it really doesn't matter whether it's bhimsen joshi singing whether it's pavarotti singing whether it's udit narayan singing it really doesn't matter you know so uh, you just record it well you use the correct microphones for that you use the correct preamplifiers for that you use the right amount of compression you just use the right amount of reverb you do all those kind of things you just do it well now doing it well if it happens to be a western way well well i'm western <laughs> that's right yeah. as long as the job, the job is done well yeah the job is done well i don't care what you call it <laughs> right <laughs> so uh, shandru post empire uh, what was your move and Well, post empire Adi Chopra saw something in me and he asked me to come and join YRF and I was there for 15 years. The rest is history. <laughs> It is. And yeah. you maybe created a lot of histories at YRF. So Yeah. Yeah. At YRF, what was it that you then of kind of did new again? Well, I decided then that, you know, that's when I was able to actually start exploring multi-format recording, you know, instead of just panning um the sounds uh, into different channels for for surround at that time uh, the surround that was available was just 5.1 so in terms of just panning things uh, i started actually recording in 5.1 which is again what not a new thing but but it's something that i started doing because now i had uh, the facilities to be uh, to enable me to do such things so i used to do 5.1 recordings and my most important contribution i would say was to uh, you know uh, bring a top grade studio into access normally people who would not enter those kind of studios i made it i made them welcome you know it was i didn't just put it out that this is for the elite this is only for bollywood i i i started telling and i was always part of the independent industry uh, going by my background in in, in rock and roll and uh, this is what uh, you know i started bringing bands in and you know i started telling them like listen you know you want to sound like the west right you want to sound like a b c d from there right you can you just need to do it right and this is the way to do it right and uh, they came in over there and uh, you know a classic example of that was uh, the work that i did with two bands and one of them was advaita and the other is soulmate uh, and uh, uh, strangely enough those two albums was uh, uh, well they were highly highly acclaimed albums uh, uh, not just in india but uh, in to different parts of the world uh, for the people who heard it and uh, i still use those albums as uh, my sound check albums uh, you know as reference when i'm doing uh, uh, different kinds of music in different studios so uh, you could say and it was constant i had i had people who backed me i had people uh, you know who believed in me and it was a constant upgrade uh, for the facility you know I, i started bringing in different kinds of sound for different things you know i i started developing a sound for people uh, you know and you know determining as to you know be being more precise uh, you know because you're coming into a world class facility you got to be on the top of your game you know uh not just being able to afford it but being at the top of your game like make use you know there's no point you coming over there and not being able to play your ass off you know so uh being able to give you those facilities being able to give you that sound which you've always had in your head and the joy that i used to see on musicians faces after they finished their take was just uh, you know i i i'll never forget that and i still don't forget it you know whenever i see a musician come back and say like fuck that's me I said yeah man that's you it's like i just i just captured what you were doing and uh, that's what keeps bringing them back and uh, i wouldn't say i did anything different but uh, i i opened up uh, a a great a facility to people who would normally not come and use that who still have this uh, kind of angst within uh, hey man 
Bollywood shit. So, you know, I don't even want to touch it. But I used to tell them like, yeah, well, maybe Bollywood is shit, but I'm there. Right. And, 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 I, and I'm not shit. So do you trust me? Yeah, man, we fucking trust you. So uh, let's do it. So they came in and did it and uh, haven't looked back since. And uh, uh, that's probably my legacy. You know? So bringing in uh, 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 and the more and more I started doing, the more and more bands started coming in and working with me. And I finally got back into the space of like, listen, you know, I'm doing more indie stuff and doing more music that I like than Bollywood. And uh, because I found that the Bollywood sound was deteriorating because now everyone became a music uh, composer. Everyone became an air arranger because, you know, they had this great instrument in front of them, uh, which was uh, their laptop. And uh, they had they had great tutors, which was uh, YouTube and Google. Uh, so, uh, you know, everyone became a producer, everyone became an arranger, everyone knew how to do everything. So they all started working from home and, uh, well, you know, working from home and not having to use an expensive studio and an, uh, and an engineer uh, brings costs down. And that's when the, uh, you know, the slide began. And uh, right now, according to me, Bollywood has reached a stage of no return. Uh, you know, it's probably the worst that Bollywood has ever sounded is has been in the last two or three years. And I dare say that I see it deteriorating. And But I was so glad that uh, when I saw this deterioration taking place, uh, my independent music and my those independent clients started growing. And uh, that's Started, and they started getting empowered and uh, those are the people now who Bollywood wanted you know uh, so you'll see a lot of the singers and the musicians today who are playing are all from the independent industry but are using Bollywood just to be able to nurture their own dreams and which is what I was doing and trying to help them get that way so again maybe I would say a little ahead of time and uh... well I don't know I just did what I felt was right <laughs> right yeah. So, uh, I can at least vouch for this fact that the kind of equipment that even you've kind of even bought from us yep. for the studio has yep. been always well researched uh, and well thought out. Yeah. Because uh, you had to fight with the management sometimes to yeah. even, you know, kind of meet your demands because your demand was to increase the quality of your recording. Yes. Based on the kind of work that you were doing there. Yes. So, uh, what we will do is in the next part, we will answer a, a Q&A thing. You know, we have a lot of viewers who sent in very good questions. All right. So maybe uh, in the next part, we'll come there and continue this discussion of the situation today that a music composer or producer has become an engineer also. That's right. Yeah, so they have, they have, your they... views will, you know, kind of really help yeah. youngsters take the right path. Absolutely. Will so do. I'll just pause this video and we'll do the next part. Sure.